This is Hockey Central on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome to it. You've got Will and Pat with you on your one-hour Hockey Central program today. Big show starts at 2, but only goes till 5 today. 5.07 first pitch for a huge game between the Jays and the New York Yankees. We've got it for you in its entirety right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. So welcome to Hockey Central. Flames still looking for their first win of the preseason. 4-2 the final score last night in Abbotsford. Canucks come away victorious. They got off to a quick start. Flames got back within one, but in the end, 4-2 ends up being the final score. Much better effort from what you saw Sunday against the Edmonton Oilers. So Calgary goes for their first win of the preseason tomorrow when they take on the Seattle Kraken at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Let's kick off the program the way we always kick off Hockey Central. It's time to talk to Lou. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Okay, Lou, before we get into uh, what happened on the ice, uh, how strange or nice was it to uh, be back on an airplane going to a hockey game and then calling it uh, in an opposing building. It uh, had to be pretty cool to corner. be back. In a corner, it, I grant you. It, yes, we were in the corner. Yeah, go sit in the it corner, was, Lou. Yeah, well, you know what? The funny thing is when I go to a game on my own, and I do go to a few, um, that is generally the location I will sit. I'll generally sit up in a corner. So didn't bug me that much. It was surreal, Patty. It, it it actually felt strange after all the time to fly on the team charter and, you know, go through that process. But, yeah, it was great. It was uh, fantastic. Obviously missed it. Unable to do it that way last season. I've done it that way for a long time now. So it was great. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Good to uh, good to hear, and uh, certainly from a flame standpoint, a better outing for them this year uh, last night. And I know they didn't pick up the win, but just from an effort standpoint, I think there would be uh, a lot of people who would say that was a whole lot better. Yeah, I'd probably use a different word than effort in comparison. Although that effort word is very fair for what we saw the night before, I'd say more execution, Pat, and effort and execution can go hand in hand it it started slow it looked rather similar in the first frankly as you know as to what we saw for the first three periods of the preseason against Edmonton and with Vancouver's lineup had a pretty good idea they had a very veteran group in and the majority of their best players played in the game last night in Abbotsford but as the game went along I thought the Flames settled in pretty nicely I thought the second period you know they were the better group in that period they never went away in the game they were close late uh, drawing within one so much better much much better than what we witnessed which frankly um, I don't think anyone involved in the organization uh, ever really wants to see a repeat in any way, shape, or form of the night before. Two preseason games down now, Lou. 
what's what's the theme for you in terms of what you've seen and and maybe your biggest takeaway in those two games that we've seen? Well, it's a great question, Pat. And if there was a bit of a theme, here's what I'd throw out. So we're always calling for change. I remember late last season, and it's good, especially, you know, when you're not necessarily in the playoff hunt anymore. You know, we always want to see newcomers. And and I think from the outside looking in, there's always a feel that, you know, those players are going to be better than what you have. Well, they're only better, Pat, when they prove that they're ready to be better. And I'm not going to suggest to you that, you know, the Calgary Flames prospect pool doesn't have players who are going to play in the NHL going forward who haven't been regulars. But I'll say this, through the first couple of games, I don't know about you, my friend, I haven't really seen any newcomer type that looks like they're on the precipice. The one player for me, through two games and he's played in both of them that I think is as close as anyone in that category is probably Glenn Godden. I I think Glenn's played pretty well, you know, in both games and, you know, for others, I think there's still a long way to go. Is that... Like, should we be disappointed uh, by that? Guys, of the guys that we've seen. Yeah, yeah. Remember, we still haven't seen certain people. But, and sorry, I, I broke broke up your question. No, before. no problem at all. And I, I guess, like, was was going to throw it out to both you guys. Like, Will, is that something, it's two preseason games. Is that something we should be disappointed by? Is that something the organization should be disappointed by? Or is it uh, is it fair to expect a, a slow start to the preseason like how did because i'm exactly i'm exactly where lou is i i really haven't seen i've liked gotten in in both games i've seen some decent performances or, or things i'm like okay that's okay but nobody has really burst off the page and this is the time when you want to be taking advantage of those veteran players kind of going through the motions right well of course you do and, and yet you haven't seen that jump and i think that's a massive massive concern and you know, the bigger picture, like we've talked about a lot in the offseason, Pat, I, I don't think you look at the Flames prospect pool and there's nobody that you, you know, you, you pencil in for a future top six role outside of the, the first round picks. But, you know, I don't think Adam Rzichka is ever a top six guy in the NHL, but you want to see some growth and you want to see, you know, some sort of push for a roster spot. And, and you know, to, to play on the other side, I, I think some of it too is a player, you know, not to use this as an excuse, but you look at it on paper and say, well, there's nowhere to go here. There's no spot for me. Um, but, you know, again, I'm not trying to use that as an excuse or let the players off the, the, the hook because even if you look at on paper and say there's no spot there, you still want to see some sort of push and yep. maybe make that a conversation as opposed to not being a conversation. So, again, it's early. It was two games back-to-back and all of that. But, um, yeah, through, through two games, is the biggest story. And, and that's... You know, you and I talked about this yesterday, Pat. That's where the organization probably looks at it and says, it's a, it's a pretty big disappointment that you haven't seen some sort of push by any of these, you know, quote-unquote bubble players. That's very fair. And, 
you know, another gentleman who the more I watch, and again, you know, I'm talking about truly pushing and truly being, you know, ready to play NHL hockey right now. Um, And the Flames aren't really well further to your point with their structure and how they've built this year's team. They don't necessarily need to rush people. But, yes, you know, you'd like to have just a couple more people knocking on the door. And, and, you, and you mentioned Ruzichka. You know, he was a guy, he didn't participate in the prospects camp. Um, you know, coming off a nice year in Stockton. And have I seen flashes? Yes. But it just, it just, you know, Patty and Will, whether the theme was what we've gotten to, I just don't think we can ever ignore how hard it is and what it takes to be a regular player in the National Hockey League. It's a big jump. And we can talk about all the prospects we want, and who's great and who isn't, and this guy looks good. Well, you get them in these kind of scenarios – the playing field starts to show pretty quick. Yeah. Peter Labardius is with us. Color voice of the Calgary Flames kicks off Hockey Central at noon. Every single, no, not Hockey Central at noon. See, you can tell how often we do this show. Kicks off Hockey Central each and every day uh, or Hockey Central at noon. Logan Pacific. did it yesterday. I wouldn't. Uh... It rolls off the tongue. I'm just yeah. so used to it. Uh, Lou, what did you make of Dylan Dubé playing down the middle? Because I really enjoyed watching him last night. Well, I was intrigued by it. Watched him a lot over the years um, leading up to his days in the National Hockey League, playing down the middle of the ice in minor hockey and junior hockey. So um, it's not foreign to him by any stretch. But that I thought he handled it pretty well. And, and what I really liked about the situation, and we talked about it yesterday on Hockey Central with Logan and the boss, was, you know, I prefer evaluating situations most of the time in the preseason when you're on the road because up until maybe the last game or two, you know, the home team is the team filled most of the time with good veteran players. So, for example, Dylan Dubé and his group was out a lot against Horvat and Miller's line. Well, that's, you know, if you're trying to take a look at someone for – a potential role, position, how you could use somebody differently in-game if you have an injury. I th- I thought, well, I thought Dylan was their best player last night, so that's a pretty good place to start. Handled it well. Um, you know, it's, it's different. And he mentioned to us after the game it was different, but – I don't, I don't know about you guys. I thought, uh, you know, certainly being about 30 feet away from the ice, he, uh, he handled it pretty well. Well, here's uh, Dylan from last night following the game, talking about it, talking about, you know, some of the adjustments maybe on the defensive side of the game that he had to make going back to playing center for the first time in a while. It changes a little bit. You pay attention um, through video, through guys. You get stuck down there sometimes. Um, it's been a while since I played full center, but – you pay attention. You got to know that role because tight games. You need to win a hockey game. If you're stuck down low, you got to make sure you 
you uh, you win your battles, you make the right play to get it out. So used to that a little bit, but uh, I thought it was good. I think our defenseman moved it well and quick tonight to help me out. And I, I guess bigger picture too, Lou, on Dubé, you know, talked about this with Pat a little bit the last mm -hmm. week or so. You know, everything Daryl Sutter does is by design. He went, you know, I wouldn't say out of his way, but he certainly was not shy publicly to talk about Dubé and maybe some disappointments he had with the young man. How, how big overall is this season and this camp? And, you know, getting a shot like that and taking full advantage to show the coach you've got some versatility, can play a couple of different roles. Just just overall, I guess, in general, or, or a very broad question, but, you know, how, how do you see this entire camp and season for Dubé knowing how things went under this coach last year? Well, when Dylan was asked, two days ago, Will, about, you know, how motivated. I asked him how motivated he was, you know, coming off of some ups and downs under Daryl in the back half of the year. And he didn't say that he was any extra motivated. I mean, he, we know he loves the game. He works incredibly hard at it during the season, during practice, during the off season. But he used one word that I thought was really important, maturity. And that's the other thing we don't always discuss a lot is, you know, to be a good NHL everyday player, maturity comes in, experience comes in, feeling comfortable in your role. Um, you know, it was a big change when Daryl came in in a lot of different ways. And I have no doubt, well, none. Will it be perfect? No. Um Dylan Dubé, when I get up in the morning and I have a chance to watch this team and watch all their games, he's a guy. He's one of the guys I'm truly always most excited to watch when I come to the rink because I, I see a lot there. And with more experience, with more defined role, with more time in the league, I, I just think he has a chance to be a special player. I really do. Now, whether that's, you know, that's not necessarily going to be in the middle. I'm not saying that. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a lot there. I really do. How does it, uh, when we talk about Dylan, how does he take that next step? How does he get to, you know, going from last year, which he was a regular, and I know there were some growing pains and some ups and downs, but how does he go from that to getting to that ceiling that you talk about, Lou? Well, the first thing with Daryl and the way this team is going to play, I wouldn't, I'm not putting him in the same category as Oliver Shillington by any stretch of the imagination, none. But when you're a young player and you're learning and you're in this system on this team, that you can't afford to be someone who makes key errors defensively at key times. Like, and, and when you get better in that area away from the puck, more trustworthy, more reliable, I always say this, you're going to have the puck more. And when Dylan has the puck with his speed and his, his abilities, the way he shoots it, then it's all going to come together. So take Andrew Mangiapane, okay? 
different different player, different type of skill set. But Andrew, like so many young players, had to go through whether it was more time in the American League, you know, learning his way in the NHL. Guys, you have got to be good without it. You just have to at this level. Like, there just aren't very many players that come into this league that are so gifted. There are there are some, for sure. I'm not trying to tell you that there aren't. We, we see them basically every year. But you need to look after that part of your game and make sure it's solid first. And when it is, I just always find the rest of it takes care of itself yep and i and and, it's but it's hard it's hard and i understand why it's hard for people who come into the league with talent you know have had great junior or college careers where they've been producers it's hard when you can't do it again that way that's the separator and for the record i i am Right with you on my opinion on Dubé. I, I think he is knocking on the door to being a core player on as, this team. As discussed yesterday, w- he's, will he, accuse he's me your, of something. He's your new. He's your new Backlund. You love him. You're you're carrying the flag. And I told Will, I I am I'm not cheating on Backlund here. I just I, I'm a big fan of Dubé. I think that he's well. You don't have to tell the guy on the phone. Uh, and the guy on the phone's a pretty big fan of uh, Dubé as well. I don't think it's uh, much of a convincing situation here. Exactly. I, I just uh, I have very similar thoughts on him as you do, Lou, and, and I'm curious and, and excited to see where things go this year. Just a few more with Peter Labardius. Go ahead. Sorry. Here's one, and, and very curious your thoughts on it, Lou. I mean, yeah. you know, it's only two games in. We've had a, a bit of a strange start to camp where the guys who've played in games really haven't been on the ice together because the groups have been so separated. A bit of a separation and a, a mix-up with the groups today, but you know, all the talk about Daryl Sutter and, and you know, defensive um, attention and, and the way they play in their own zone. Uh, again, a bit better in the final 40 last night, but just overall, is there anything you're, you're, you're watching or, or anything you've seen develop as a theme in terms of maybe uh, the opposite of the way the, the, the coach wants to play? He probably can't be thrilled with the way they've played in their own zone through two games. Well, well he, he isn't in any way, shape, or form, but... You know, he made a really good point yesterday about with players like Zadorov, um, Good Branson, you know, they're bigger players coming into a system. It's new. It generally takes some time. You know, you haven't played with people. Chemistry really makes a big difference on defense with your partner. And, well, Derek and I had this conversation yesterday and I'll have it with you guys and because I want your thoughts. The other thing that happens in the preseason in terms of evaluation. So let's go back to Sunday. Well, do you ever think that on a regular night, Eric at Branson is going to play 22 plus? No. Did he do that on Sunday? Yes. Yes. Yeah, you probably, so, cut, probably cut that by about seven to six minutes at least. Right, depending on special teams. And again, one of the reasons it got to 22 instead of probably 18 was because they were in the box seven times. So, you know, that's always a caveat and makes a difference too if you're in that role. And he was certainly...
apparently in the penalty killing role the other night. But my point is, you know, yes, it's the preseason. You don't like to lose. You don't like some of the things that you've seen. But guess what? You've played two games in the preseason. Which two defensemen haven't played yet in a game? Hannafin, Tanev. Are they significant? They're your best two guys, and they're going to be, you know, 22-minute-a-night people for sure, if not more. So I think, at least I hope I'm being clear about, you know, evaluation, the defensive side of the game. You know, without your best people and slotted in the right areas, that can make things difficult too. But, well, listen. There, there was nobody on the back end, and there was four guys in the game on Sunday that, you know, you think are going to be in the opening night lineup. And they were not very good. So, yes, didn't start well, but the great thing is it's not October the 16th. But I do know this. On October the 16th, if your A game defensively isn't in order – you're going to have a big problem. Last one for you, Lou. And uh, I know it's jumping around, and, and I forgot to do this because we got talking about something else a little earlier when you brought it up. But you mentioned, you know, the, the one guy that would be kind of in that bubble category that you have liked and, and have been, you know, pretty pleased with through the first two games of this preseason is Glenn Godden. We saw him play a little bit last year, he signed another deal this year and is also very interestingly set to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, depending on how things go this season. What, uh, where, what type of role, what type of spot could Glenn Godden be able to forge for himself on this NHL roster, Lou? On this current NHL roster? Yeah. Well, you know, the way things are now is Mr. Nault made a great point. Right now, Glenn Godden's spot, you would think, on the depth chart, belongs to Brad Richardson. So um, that's the area I see Glenn, even though he struggled in the face-off department, I think he'll get much better the NHL level, given more opportunity. You know, I see him going forward, not necessarily starting this season, as, as as a Derek Ryan type of player, you know, smart, responsible, shoots it pretty well. Um, he's an excellent teammate. He's always working diligently at his craft to get better. He's made really good strides over the last couple of years. So for him, you know, you're going to need Pat before this season is over probably five or six center icemen. That's just mm-hmm. the way it's going to be. And and so Glenn, you know, played in the six or seven last year. He only averaged 645 a game. He needs more time. He needs more experience. But, you know, I don't think he's far away. I really don't. Now, it's probably going to be up to Mr. Richardson and company in terms of how much Glenn might get to play. Mm-hmm. All right, Lou, get out of here. We'll uh, talk to you again tomorrow and see you at the Dome for preseason game day number three. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome, and I'll leave you with this today. You're both looking a wee bit young. Very young.
Thanks, guys. See you, Lou. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Okay, we're underway on Hockey Central this afternoon. It's Pat Steinberg and Will Nault along with you. We have the big show coming up at 2, but the big show abbreviated only going until 5 o'clock this evening because we've got in its entirety Jays and Yankees 507 first pitch from the Rogers Center. What is the end game right now for the Buffalo Sabres in this bizarre standoff with Jack Eichel? Do they want to trade him or do they want to win a pissing match? That's next. Hockey Central continues on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Live and loud. Smack dab in the middle of downtown Calgary. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Live 24-7 from the iconic studio. Powered by iconic electric and controls. Telecommunications. It's iconic. Follow them on Twitter at IconicEC. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The pandemic ends for no one until it ends for everyone. UNICEF is leading the procurement and delivery of 2 billion COVID-19 vaccines to countries around the world. An effort of this scale has never been done before. By donating to UNICEF Canada by September 30th, Canadians have the opportunity to make a difference and support the vaccination of millions of people in lower-income countries. Every dollar donated by September 30th will be matched by the Canadian government. Donate today at unicef.ca or text VACCINES to 45678 to donate $10. The Eric Francis Show is live Mondays 9 to 10 a.m. On the air. Stream on your phone, computer, or tablet, and always on your smart speaker. Eric Francis, the Calgary sports reporting veteran, joins Ryan and Maddie to talk all about the Flames, the NHL, golf, and whatever else is trending with Calgary sports fans. Brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. Live horse racing is back Tuesdays and Sundays at Century Downs Racetrack and Casino. Limited fan access is available. You can also take part by watching from home. For more info on how to get in on the action, visit HPI. Bet.com. The Eric Francis Show, only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Sportsnet 960 The Fan is on the Radio Player Canada app. Cast Sportsnet 960 from the app to a nearby TV with a Google Home or any Chromecast-enabled device. This is not a gambling site. Bodog.net wants to show you how to make a play this football season. When it feels like the whole country says no, you're asking why not. When everyone and their mother has the favorite, you're taking the underdog. When all of social media says, you've got no chance, you say, I got this. When everyone says it can't be done, you're already planning to treat yourself. Don't miss a chance to make a play at Bodog.net, your source of free casino games, poker strategy, and live football odds. If you're an HVAC contractor, electrician, or plumber, then Andrew Sherritt Limited would like you to meet Residio Pro Perks. For all eligible contractors, you can earn up to 4% back on Residio products while at the same time building your business by combining training, marketing tools, and support across Residio's broad portfolio of products in air, security, water, and energy. Learn more about the Residio Pro Perks loyalty program at your nearest... Hockey Central continues on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This Jack Eichel situation continues to be difficult to wrap your head around. And, and we talked a little bit about it yesterday, Will. Jekyll. You played that clip from Elliot on 32 Thoughts about the scenario where things Elliot. stand right now. Elliot. I don't know what the Sabres are trying to accomplish anymore because I thought for the longest time 
Buffalo was playing hardball, but had the true intention of getting the most, making the most of an Eichel trade and getting a home run return uh, in return for him. And that's what I thought for the longest time. But after some of what you've heard the last little bit, the, the revelation, not even the revelation, but the continued understanding that Buffalo has been reticent to share any of the medical information with other teams that they might that, that might be wanting to acquire him. Um, all this talk about how they might be blocking the surgery so that uh, so that Eichel has to bow to their demands when it's all said and done. A little bit more from Frank Saravelli, our brand new Sportsnet 960 NHL insider from Daily Faceoff. He joined the morning show earlier today and had a little bit more on the Eichel situation and where things might be headed with him and the Sabres. The Sabres have asked teams for a, a price for Jack Eichel that's based on him being fully healthy. And, and no one likes to deal in hypotheticals, let alone with neck injuries and star players who have $50 million remaining on their deal. I think the next pressure point, if you can even call it that, considering Jack Eichel did fail his physical, is opening night on the 12th, because that's when Jack Eichel begins getting paid. Uh, they start to pay out on that $10 million salary, and that's a pretty significant juncture because you're wondering, do they, try, do they have any tricks up their sleeve? Do they try and suspend Jack Eichel for this failure, uh, not it, not because it's a hockey injury, but because of their disagreement with the medical situation, that he hasn't done anything to move the ball forward from his end. They've made it clear what their stance is and the fact that they're not cooperating. Obviously, they've remained in conversation, but is something like that a possibility that might you know, cause something to happen, another trigger point? So I think that's what we're all looking forward to next. So when you're hearing tricks up their sleeve and potentially not paying him and suspending him. I, I'm starting to wonder if Buffalo's end goal here is to actually get the best return for Jack Eichel. Do they want to trade this guy or do they want to run him into the ground and win this petty little standoff? I, I, I'm starting to wonder what Buffalo's end goal. I'm not starting to wonder. I'm really wondering what Buffalo's end game is here. Well, yeah, I, I think it is absolutely an ego thing on both sides. I, I think the way, you know, I, I don't think Jack Eichel's completely innocent in all of this either. I think he absolutely, his camp and bears a lot of the brunt for getting to this point. And, and to your point, it's right now, it's an ego war. And nobody wants to bow down. Nobody wants to give in at all. They just want to stick their heels in and, you know, wait and see what happens. The point about the opening night and, and the salary getting paid and a possible suspension, that to me is the biggest, um, you know, biggest talking point, I guess, now because what does that ultimately look like? And if they do suspend him, this thing could get even uglier. Yep. Right? And the whole... You know, we've had a couple of people throughout the offseason say, well, why doesn't Jack just get the surgery he wants, void the contract, and move on? Well, I mean, you're throwing away $50 million for one. but no, just the, but just it, the if, 50 if, mil. But, hey, if the team's going to suspend him and not pay him, then maybe that is more of a conversation than you and I ever gave it credit for. Yeah. Um, it's, it's bizarre how we even got to this point. But 
I, I don't know how it ends. I don't know when it ends because it does seem, to your point, like a petty standoff where they're both trying to come out looking like the best guy or looking like the hero. And I don't think any, I just don't think that's possible now. I, I think you've gone too far. Everybody on the outside can see how ugly it is. And it does look a little childish on both sides. And I guess the thing that I, I don't think, as you said, I don't think Jack and his camp is blameless in this. I don't. In fact, I, I, I really don't think that. But, I guess I look at it from Buffalo's standpoint. Do they want to move their organization forward? Do they want to help the franchise in the long run? Because the longer you just continue to be petty like this, and the longer that you continue to block Jack from doing anything or block other teams from getting his medical records and shut down teams for potentially making a deal the more you set your team back and, 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 and maybe, maybe we're proven wrong, but doesn't it feel like the window to hit a home run on a return is closed? What is, what is close trade, to it? What does the trade look like right now? I don't even you? know. That's, that's, that's just it. Right. And, and that's why it's hard to say if they keep hanging on, they're going to look worse or, cause I don't even know like what they end up getting for a return in November. How do I know that's worse than what is on the table right now? We yeah. don't, nobody knows. So it's hard to, to sit here and say they're going to look worse if they hang on. I just think that the longer this thing lingers in the news and, and is a story, yeah, the, the crappier it looks because you need some sort of resolution. And I, I think when the offseason began and we knew this was going to be one of the biggest storylines, I don't think anybody saw it being a situation where he's still property of the Sabres come September 28th. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think that he would make it to training camp. I thought that this would be put to bed. Hell, I thought he would have had his procedure, whatever procedure. Maybe he gives in, has the neck fusion to get himself the hell out of Buffalo. Maybe the Sabres give in, let him do this disc replacement so that they can get him the hell out of Buffalo. Or, or if you're so worried about the surgery, let other teams see the medicals, trade him before he has the surgery. I don't know if you can trade an injured player like that, but... Or, or let the team that you're, again, going back to the conversation we had yesterday, put the trade conditions on there. Yep. If so he doesn't have, recover, if he doesn't have, able to play, he's not able to play. Have the surgery while he's quote-unquote property of the Sabres. Because, again, I don't know CBA rules if you can trade a player who's failed him physical and, and it clearly is not healthy. So let him have the surgery he wants. Put conditions in there. But in order for a team or team X to put the conditions on the trade, they would have to see the medicals and let their doctors look at it and, you know, make their own decisions. Mm -hmm. But until you do that, this thing isn't moving period. And I think the way it gets to your original question, quote unquote, uglier is if we get to October 12th and he's put on the suspended list and isn't played and is not getting paid. Yeah. It just, I'm skeptical that everything is being done for the right reasons anymore. I'm skeptical that we're talking about, oh yeah, yeah the Sabres are just doing this to maximize their, uh, to maximize their return. That's why they're not sharing medical records. That's why the, it, it feels like there are ulterior motives at work here. And, and look, I know there's bad blood and I know that these two sides do not like each other and the bad blood has just grown, but it, it feels like one of the sides. And unfortunately, 
I don't know how Jack Eichel's camp does this. Like, how does the Eichel camp be the bigger man, if you want to use that term? The only team, the Sabres still have the vast majority of control here. Yep. So Kevin Adams and the Sabres are the ones that really have the power to to step up and be the bigger person. Whereas I, I, I don't know how the Eichel camp does that. I guess the only way they do that is like, sure, we'll have this surgery that you want us to have. Uh, that's, I guess, the only way that the Eichel camp could capitulate. And until the surgery situation's resolved, I, I can't see this thing yeah. you know, moving or, or having any sort of um, progress a to few, a new home. A few texts at 960-960. I have to admit, my opinion on Buffalo's situation has changed. Before, I thought they had all the right in the world not to let them get the surgery they wanted. Now I think they've shot themselves in the foot. Uh, this reads, what if I told you this Sabres GM doesn't know what he's doing? Uh, that comes from Kevin in New York. I don't think that's Kevin Adams texting us. So that would be strange. Um, but it, it is spelled that way. Um, this, what has Eichel even done in this league? Where is the ego coming from? I get he's concerned about his health, but come on now. So I think there's a couple of things here. For for I think you can have the ego conversation. I don't personally have a ton of time for the ego conversation if you're getting paid 10 million dollars a year if you've got leverage and you want to force your way out i guess do so it doesn't bother me the way it bothers other people i understand why it bothers other people because it used to bother me i think i'm just cynical and jaded that it doesn't bother me anymore but the other side of it is the health side and i find it hard to criticize anyone who is trying to advocate for what they believe is best and i i I understand why the sabers are also kind of taking their hard line on why they want him to have surgery X when he wants to have procedure Y. But in the end, it's still Eichel's body. It's still his livelihood. The Sabres have this $80 million investment in the player. I get that, but they're not the ones that are going to have the quality of life implications going forward. So I I do have, sympathy is the wrong word, but I do understand why if you're Eichel... There's lots to suggest that you should have some say on what the procedure is, and it's clearly not a black and white issue when it comes to what the right procedure is going forward. Yeah, I mean, I'm just so tired of talking about the surgery. Like, just they they have make to, a decision, somebody. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I think he's got every right to have an ego. I don't care what he's done in the league. I makes ten million dollars and. He can do whatever he wants. I'd have an ego if I made $10 million. Um, and he's, he's had some pretty good years, so I don't know if he's done nothing in this league. But I mean, he's still been an 80-point player, and he's been a point-per-game guy. He's a pretty good player. It's a reason why we're talking like, about this so much. Done nothing. I'm not sure I agree with that. Um, moving on. Are we witnessing a potential changing of the guard in the Metropolitan Division? I ask that because... The two kind of perennial powerhouses over the last number of years, they've got some injury concerns to start the year. No Malkin, no Crosby to start the season in Pittsburgh. What is it, 15 straight years of them making the playoffs? Yeah, just 15. Now we find out today Nick Backstrom in Washington isn't going to be ready to start the season. The Penguins and Capitals, those are the two teams that have ruled the roost in that area and in that metropolitan division for the last number of years. Rooster or roost? Ruled the, I, I believe the term is roost. I don't even know what roost means. I really don't. I just know it's a term. 
Um, You're just sounding really smart today. I'm sounding very. That sounds a lot like of a big real words in the Eichel situation. 1920. You're, you're, you're sounding very smart. Well, they ruled the roost here. Um, is it? Is it a changing of the guard in the Metro? Is it? Is it? Kind of open ground to topple Washington and Pittsburgh, who have the Islanders have already entered that conversation. I was gonna say, hasn't it already been there? Like, but all, the, all the respect, the Caps to, and Penguins are still making the playoffs. Yeah, every but they year. haven't been dominating like they had. So I, I, I guess my point is, to me, it's already changed because Carolina and the Islanders have been way bigger and better stories in the last three years than they have. Since the Capitals have won the Stanley Cup, I believe they have not won a round. Correct. They have not won a playoff round since their Cup. Pittsburgh hasn't won a round in three years. In fact, they didn't even technically make the playoffs in 2020. If you're going to say the Oilers didn't make the playoffs, then, Neither the, did Pittsburgh. then the Penguins didn't make the playoffs. So my, my point is, even though there's been some um, you know, realignment in there, the last three or four years, this division has not belonged to Pittsburgh and Washington. It's kind of so. So you're saying it's kind of been trending in this direction. It's anyway. been it's been going that way for quite some time. Which Washington's roster is aged. Pittsburgh's uh, roster is aged, and really, the Penguins haven't been the same since they traded Marc Andre Fleury. All due respect to Casey DeSmith and uh, Tristan Jari, their goaltending has been suspect and. You know, Matt Murray wasn't able to no. find and, and that so, game either. And really, you go even before that when the you know the, the nineteen twenty season before the COVID shutdown, Pittsburgh or Philadelphia is one of the best teams in that division. It's been trending that way for a while, and I think now, yeah, with those injuries and again with the age of those rosters, I think we are seeing a changing of the guard officially. Um, and you know there might be differing opinions on when that has changed but because we've seen final fours that have consisted of the likes of carolina and the new york islanders in the last three or four years i feel like it's already been a changing of the guard um my answer is pittsburgh but who has the better chance of missing completely this year the penguins or the capitals it's hard because i think there's flaws on on both, I just hate Pittsburgh's goaltending. I do too, but and I'm not saying Washington is say, is Vesna quality either. and Vanacek isn't really. But I've got more confident in confidence in those two than I do in DeSmith and Jari. <sighs> Some of those charts that came out last year on Pittsburgh's goaltending, like it was hard to look at. Those guys are, those guys are arguably both above their heads right now. To have two that are like sometimes you have a number one that's two above his head, but now you've got two guys. That, two of them. Oof. Um. Yeah, I mean, like their defense. I don't like either of of Washington's or Pittsburgh's. If I had to lean one way, I'd probably go Washington's, but it's not by much. Mm-hmm. I like the Capitals' forward group a little bit better. Um, I I see flaws in both, and you know, you look at that division. It's going to be tough for both to make the playoffs or even one of the two. I mean, Philadelphia, I see being better. Islanders are a playoff team. Hurricanes are a playoff team. Rangers are going to be right there and being competitive. It's going to be very interesting. And if I had to pick, you know, I'll, I'll say both miss. Who's your, uh, who, if you were to do a Metropolitan Power Rankings right now, who's your, who's number one? Islanders. This won't, this won't surprise you, but they're not number one for me. Yeah. They're number two. 
Uh, Carolina would be one. I, I just, and I, I've got some questions about where the Hurricanes are going in their goaltending scenario, but that forward group, that you, defense group, and you group, just can't give it to the Islanders. Just, just hammers the it's Islanders. It's not, not in your blood. They've been the final four two years in a row, but no, they're not the number one in that division. Sorry, guys. They're number two. It's not like I'm. It's not like I'm saying they're going to miss the playoffs. I just think. I just think the uh, future have, is brighter. The, the ceiling Col- is higher for Carolina. You have the Columbus Blue Jackets as one. That's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. No, I do not. Uh, that might be a rough year in Columbus. I, I just Carolina's forward depth is is outstanding. I don't even with this the departure of Dougie Hamilton. I don't know if there's a deeper or better blue line you, in the NHL. Do you have uh, Philly as three? I'd probably go Carolina one, Islanders two is my top tier, and I'd probably go Washington three, Philly four. So you're still high on the Caps? I st- I think the Caps are still a playoff team, but I think their time being a cup contender, I think that windows. I mean, Ovechkin's 35. They're not starting the year with Backstrom. Ovechkin's 36. 36. Backstrom's in the same age range. 33. He'll be 34 in November. So... I still think they're a good team. He's 34. He'll be 35 in December. John Carlson's in the, what was he, 31? He'll be 32 next January. So I think they're still good. I still think they're making, they make a playoff push or or make the playoffs. I think Philly is a team that can easily make the playoffs. I just just really like Philly's offseason. And I I, I think if Carter Hart has a bounce back, I, I think it's automatic they're number three there. But again, nothing is really automatic in this league, as we know. Um, you know, kind of similar to the Pacific in a lot of ways in terms of the one, two, you know, the middle's a big cluster. I think that's the same in the Metro. I yep. think you'd have Philly, Pittsburgh, Washington in there. Again, the Rangers can probably make an argument to be in that middle group and the bottom of the division is the Devils and the Jackets. Yep. Now, you can make an argument, depending who you like, of kind of anyone in that three, four, five yep. situation. So it'll be uh, it'll be fun to watch what happens. And I just think... For whatever reason, I've got a gut feeling that we're going to see a bit of a bounce back from from Philadelphia. Uh, and by the way, a couple of clarity texts on uh, where Rule the Roost came from. Uh, Pat, chickens roost by sitting on a perch at night. To rule the roost means to be on the highest perch. Ah. It's definitely a farm figure of speech. So it does have to do with roosters. And I almost, when I saw that, I was like, should I should I use the other term for roster uh, for rooster? Like, should I should I use that on the air? I've said yeah, on the. There's uh, a different one too. Rule the roost. You're a rooster, and you rule over the rooster ten house. I don't know what that means. So it's something about height again. High, high perch. I've decided that no, I will not use the synonym for rooster on the air. I've decided. I've made an executive decision <sighs> not to do that. Hi, I'm 36. I turned 47 in a few weeks, and these are the things that keep me going. It's a long clap. Thank you, very, very. It's impressive for him to not stoop to that level, let's be honest. I'm a child. He is very, like, he's got the three of us in this room. He is the oldest by, you know, five, six years. Considerable amount. And, uh, well, again, five years. But Easy logo. Um, you know, maturity, negative seven. Still use salt out of a box, Pat? 100%. <laughs> Both both iodized salt and oh, both iodized salt and uh, the kosher how, salt. By the way, just quickly, how has the cooking gone since uh, we're kind of back to somewhat normal life here? Are you still um, you still home cooked meal, Pat? Or are you now back to old old school? No groceries in the fridge except for a bottle of ketchup. 
Yeah, I, I would lean towards closer to old Pat than than new pandemic Pat, where I was meal planning. Well, you used to work at the grocery store, so you could get groceries all the time. But well, I mean, I, I worked overnight at a grocery store logo, so it wasn't a big grocery getting. Uh, it was a Dollarama logo. Time. Oh, it was Dollarama. No, it was a superstore. It was Dollarama. You can't say that. Why not? Sponsor, man. Yeah, I'm. I think it's fine to say that I, I during the first three months of the pandemic, while we weren't coming back here. Yeah, he's a superstore boy. I was bored beyond belief. It was like and hey, he's home cooked pack. Need a little, needed a little with extra his, cash. Box salt, mortgage, so on and so forth. And uh, yeah, and just yeah. the box salt is unbelievable. It's I from just 8 PM insanity. Till 2 a.m. You know what? Lots of people do it. I don't care what you guys. No say. one does it. Logo, you still live at home. You don't get to have a it's say true. here. It's true. It's true. But yes, when I like if I cook a steak, I take the box of oh, uh, the box of you kosher pour, salt. Pour heart. Pour it into your hand, and then you sprinkle from the hand. Is what, what I what do. What's happening here? And then you throw the rest over your shoulder. Uh, usually not, into not the good s- luck. Usually into the sink. And then then I got good vac- luck over the shoulder. Then I got to vacuum the floor, and it becomes messy. Vacuum? You have a broom? Do you own a vacuum? I do own a vacuum. I own a Dyson. Either. Oh, yeah. fancy vacuum. Exactly. You have a broom though? I do not have a broom. Do you still have an area rug in your living room? No. Area rugs are dumb. Didn't you have one at one point? I did, yeah. Yeah, when I was at your house, you had an area rug. Yeah, I got rid of that. You have art on the wall? Uh, I've got a few pieces, yeah. Yeah, he does. Got blinds, too. He's a big boy. Got blinds. They don't work very well. but And your patio. You're very proud of your patio. The patio uh, has come it's quite like, a long It's your way. pride and joy. Yeah. No box salt out there. <laughs> Although sometimes I bring the box salt <laughs> okay. out to work on the, the barbecue. Come on. Uh, okay, again, Logo, when you get your own place and you're and a you're bachelor. And you're not using ba- box salt, you can, you can comment. You get to comment when you can be a better adult and not live at home than me. And as soon as that happens, the door is wide open. And knowing some of the things that you have made jokes about over the last few weeks, I fully anticipate. Name one. I can't. I'm not quite ready to talk about that on the air. But, uh, yes, I fully anticipate you to walk right through that door, and I'll be proud of you for doing just that. Anywho, it's probably time to wrap up the program. Anywho. We're live in the Iconic studio today, powered by Iconic Electric and Controls. Maintenance. It's Iconic. Visit IconicEC.ca to find out more. Thanks to Peter Labardius for joining us on Hockey Central today. The big show kicks off in about five minutes' time. Back to the Flames. Two preseason games in the book. Six to go. We haven't seen a ton of impressive performances, but one guy has really stood out for me kind of above the rest of the pack. Anywho. That's next as the big show kicks off in just a few. Sportsnet 960, the fan.